Hello, thank you for listening to another episode of After School with Dylan Mack. Today we're interviewing Rory Christian, an engineer at heart, but his official title is the Commissioner of the New York State Public Service Commission. Today we are ask Rory about his rise to the top, the pressures of being there, how race has played a role in his career path, and what advice he has for people that also want to become leaders. If you'd like to support me further, please go to my Instagram, website, or Patreon and support me there. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Rory Christian. Rory, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Dylan. So just to start us off, you know, tell us, what, what do you do, you know, and all that stuff? Uh, so currently, I am the CEO of the Department of Public Service and the chair of the Public Service Commission of New York State. Uh, basically, this is the organization that regulates all the utilities, all the major utilities in the state of New York. So uh, our mission to make sure everybody can get utilities, uh, electricity, gas, water service, telecom, um, at safe, safely and affordably and reliably. So my job is to manage that process. All right. So I like to always start off the episode with like this signature question that I always ask people. <laughs> okay. So imagine you're like my age, a sophomore, junior in high school. And it's like, okay. it's like a, it's like a Tuesday night after school. What are you doing as a kid? You know, like what were your passions, interests, hobbies as a kid, you know? Oh man, you're, you're making me think back um, <laughs> <laughs> to a lifetime ago. Um, but let's see, t- the typical day after school. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to my high school time and, um, you know, the, the one thing I remember doing was trying a lot of different things. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to Jamaica High School, which, interestingly enough, no longer exists as a high school. Um, but the physical place is still there. But at the time, um, we had a golf club. We had a lacrosse team, uh, track and field. Um, we had a robotics club, I think. But that got c- cut a couple of years later. Um, we had a lot of different things to do that you could engage in from an extracurricular perspective. So I... I vividly remember doing a variety of things Monday through Thursday after school. Um, I was on debate for a while. Uh, that was interesting. So you were like um, a go-getter. You were you were out there. You could say that. I mean, I I just didn't like to. I didn't like idle hands. My grandmother always told me idle hands do the devil's work, and so uh. keeping busy was one way to just kind of you know make sure I was doing something. Um, but you know, I tried out for the golf team. That was a one and done didn't do that even though tiger woods was someone i aspired to be like really? I figured, hey, if i could if i could make a couple million dollars swinging a, a golf club that'd why be, not? I, but that's a dream for everyone I wish that's I was a like dream the nba <laughs> but you know exactly uh but yeah i settled on um I, I remember just doing a lot of extracurricular extra activities after school right up until senior year and then senior year i realized i needed money and i ended up working after school pretty much monday through saturday in some cases so what'd you yeah, do that's so i was a stock boy in a pharmacy um i remember at the time i left school one day at three o'clock walked down to jamaica avenue and just basically went door to door store to store saying hey i'm a high school senior i'm looking for work do you have any options open 
and rejection after rejection after rejection until I got to Queens Discount Pharmacy. Um, and uh, oh, you remember, wow, you remember it. You remember it. It was my first real job. You don't forget this kind of thing. And uh, the manager said, hey, come back tomorrow. I'll let you know. And I came back the next day. He handed me an apron and said, you're a stock boy. Go get some boxes in the back and other guys will show you how to stock the shelves. And I did that basically my whole senior year right up until the second half of my freshman year in college. That was my job. So it sounds like, like, did you, when you were a kid, did you, did you know what you wanted? Like, did you have any aspirations of what you oh, wanted yeah. to be I was older? Very vividly clear on what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an engineer. Um, I knew this really? from the bottom of my heart from probably when I was a teenager, like not even a teenager. I, I'd so always was, liked Was there a specific event? Was there a specific event that was like, wow, this is, this is what I, cause like a lot of other people I interview, there's, it's kind of funny. There's like an event that happens that like derails them off their like natural course. And they're like, oh my God, this is what I've wanted to do actually. Oh, I can talk about an event that derailed me, but in, in terms of going into engineering, I, I think it was just Gradually. It appealed to all my natural interests. I mean, I grew up watching like, oh God, the A-Team where, you know, at the end of every episode, they came up with a plan and made it happen. Or, so you were just in love um, with that at a young age. Yeah, I was in love with building things and making it happen. And um, I liked civil engineering and that was the degree I pursued um, in college when I first started out. I, I knew that's what I wanted to do and I started doing it. Uh, but in terms of derailing, I would say within six months to a year of actually doing work as an engineer, I realized very quickly, I did not want to be an engineer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was a rude awakening spending all that time getting the degree and then not actually enjoying the work. So, so before your parents yeah. were supportive of becoming an engineer and all that stuff? Absolutely not. No, my oh, mother really? thought it was beneath me. No, she, she said to me, and I quote, um, my family were from the Caribbean and we came to America in the early eighties, but she said to me, quote, I know people selling hot dogs on the streets, making more money than engineers. And wow. so for her, me pursuing engineering was, it, in, it, it is, I, I love engineers. I am an engineer. I still consider myself an engineer. Um, and, you know, financially it definitely wasn't a problem, but I, my mother had a bias. That wasn't something she thought I should do, uh, but I did it. I enjoyed it for a little while, but after a while, I realized very quickly, I was basically doing homework for the rest of my life. The one thing I hated about my engineering studies, I was now doing 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, that didn't work for me. So I sought out other options. And uh, I, I think the thing that triggered me, that trigger you were mentioning before, um, I had a performance review and I thought I'd done a great job and I was ranked as mediocre. And in talking to one of the managers who wasn't exactly a mentor, but he definitely take, took on that role in that conversation. Yeah. He said to me, look, if, if you want to be recognized for hard work, you need to be in a place where you're touching the money. You are responsible for the money that's coming into a company and not essentially an expense. And I took that to heart and I sought out other opportunities almost immediately to be in a role where I could bring money into a company. And got into sales. I, I went and got a degree in finance. That's where I got my MBA. And um, every role I had since becoming an engineer in one way or another, I was directly responsible for bringing in revenue to the organization I worked for. And I found so that, was, because that, of that worked that, well you, for me. You got an MBA. And that definitely, that was definitely a trigger for that. So then how'd you get into, uh, well, for one, it seems like you love New York, huh? <laughs> I do. I can't get out. 
I know. So yeah, no, I, I like I like New York as well, like a lot. I've been here my entire. I've been in Manhattan my entire life. I'm, I I mm. might want to stay here for college as well if I can. I don't know. I mean, some people are like, you should you should go somewhere else, Dylan, like explore the world, you know, like. To, to each their own. I mean, I my my financial means as a 17 year old going into college were not exactly strong, um, mm. you know, so I had to consider what my real real options were. And frankly, leaving New York didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, everything I wanted to do was here. It's not that I yeah, it's the greatest I place. To, yeah, I didn't want to go to Caltech to study a particular type of computer science or electrical engineering or what have you. I, I wanted to do civil engineering and there were a plethora of choices in the tri-state area that were more than adequate uh, and excellent in many cases for what I had in mind at the time. Um, but you know, I, the, the jobs I would end up taking would take me all over the country. Um, one sales job, in, and that, that's the nature of the jobs I ended up taking in sales. Um, uh, my biggest role, I would say, um, I was an account manager for a major utility and my customers were the federal government and all the state governments. So- oh, Wow, that's a pretty big customer. Yeah, so one day I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and drive to Delaware for a 10 a.m. meeting. Do that meeting, drive back home, and then I'd be on the train to Boston the next night for a meeting with the, the state procurement agency. The next week I could be flying for a meeting to the Pentagon or Fort Dix or some other Pentagon. exotic That's military cool. location. So that was just the nature of the job, traveling. And, um, you know, you got to see a lot of the country doing that. And did you ever get like, like really stressed out or overwhelmed and if like and like how'd you deal with that or was it was it always like a fun not fun but were you always like moving and working smoothly you think and efficiently so i've done a lot of different things so i would say i i've definitely gotten stressed out and overwhelmed throughout my career i mean you're not really growing if you're not learning and i find that getting a little stressed out sometimes means you're actually learning something new or at least you're in a yeah. situation where you need to think differently about how you approach a problem and possibly come up with new solutions so i'm not i never worry when i'm stressed i just look at that as a moment of i need to reflect on what's happening and why i'm stressed and how to not let that happen again mm -hmm. uh, or how to manage through that process so it doesn't get to me too frequently in the future so so anyways, keep going on your, your career path. So, so after, so how'd you, you know, how'd you get to where you are now? You know, you just, oh, working. so I, I do this. I've, since I was an engineer, I've done this thing and it's, it's something they teach you as an engineer, right? You, you look at your inputs, you look at your outputs and you figure out how do you use your inputs to get to an output, right? You want to build a building. Mm -hmm. What are the soil conditions? What are you building the building out of? How tall do you want the building to be? And then you figure out what are the resources at your disposal to get that outcome, right? So I looked at my life in the same way, right? What made me who I am? Um, what did I enjoy doing? Did I like working in teams or do I like working solo? Um, did I enjoy all that traveling or did I not? Um, do I like the technical aspect or the social aspect? I, I looked into myself and I figured out what are the things I like to do. And then I figured out, okay, what can I do with those different things, right? Where do I want to go with my life? Um, what kind of life do I want to have? What what a lot of people don't think about, particularly, and this is something specifically for you, given what we talked about before the call. You know, you're you're young. You're you're trying to figure out what you want to do professionally, but you also need to consider that a lot of what you do professionally has a significant impact on the choices you make socially, right? If you want to go and become a lawyer, you have to recognize you will be working crazy hours as a lawyer. Uh, my wife is a lawyer. 
there are times I see her working till 2, 3 a.m. And that's just part of the job. That's not exceptional. That's what most lawyers do. Um, And if you move up the chain as a lawyer, you become a partner, you're pretty much working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if that's the kind of life you want to have, that's fine. But not too many people talk about what the working conditions look like when you're pursuing a pursuit. Yeah. And I mean, the same thing happened to me. I didn't fully appreciate what it meant to be an engineer until I started doing engineering. And once I did, I realized, wait, this is just doing homework. This is not actually what I wanted to do. I don't like this enough to keep doing this. Exactly. And you, you, you know, as you move through your life, look, I'm, I recognize I've taken a, a fairly unorthodox path from engineer to sales, to management, to nonprofit. And now I'm running a state agency. That's not a traditional career trajectory that most people have, but in, in every step of the way, at every move I made, I looked at myself and I said, okay, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go from here? I feel like what your skills path do is I need natural. to build? For me, it was. But I feel, like, no, I feel of... like a lot of people have the same thing where it's like, it's very interesting to me because mm-hmm. I always thought like, you know, there's always like those kids out there that are like, this is what I want to do, you know? Like there are kids that have that passion. I want to become a lawyer, a doctor, uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like the people, like I talked to like probably like 13, 14, 15 different people. And they all like, they all say like, I think I've had like the most unorthodox career path. Because like some guy went from doctor to like business person to chef. Like, and mm-hmm. like, I don't, but, like, I don't, it just seems like everyone does that. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool, honestly. I don't well, know. I- Growing up for me, what I saw was I'm an accountant. And then 40 years later, I retired as an accountant, right? I, that has been the thing I've been conditioned to seeing throughout my life from all the adults. So when I was your age, that's what I saw. Um, people who transitioned like me were the exception rather than the rule. So maybe things have changed a lot since then. And mm-hmm. you know, I see a lot in the, 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 the interns and young individuals that I hire. Um, you know, they want to progress quickly and, you know, read social media, read various articles, they'll always tell you, if you want to advance in your career, you've got to move every three or four years. There's certainly some truth to that. Um, but I think that's situational. Uh, and I think that depends on your personality. Everyone's different. Some people want to stay in one place and grow, in which case they need to find a place where they can do that. Some people are comfortable moving from place to place and job to job and completely reinventing themselves every few years. Fine, you go for that. But if you're moving or staying in one place, you've got to know why. That's the bottom line. What is the reason you're staying there? What is the reason you're moving from one job to another? What are you trying to accomplish? How does that action or inaction help you towards where you want to be when you're 40, 50, 60 years old and you're, you know, you're established in your career? So things to think about. Yeah, that's, a, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. So the, do you do you do you regret going trying engineering or do you think that experience absolutely not and you still use you said some of some of that knowledge today right listen there's there's not a single day that goes by where i do not reference back to something i learned when i was an engineer in some way shape or form or or even stuff i've learned in finance i mean i enjoy learning new things i i love experimenting and seeing what's out there um and so it's 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 just part of who i am and in the role i'm in today i'm interfacing with ceos of major organizations um both private and publicly owned 
Um, I'm dealing with engineers talking about specific economic uh, uh, engineering problems. Economists dealing with economic problems. So are you the are you legal problems? Hands on there, or are you more like you oversee everything now, or are you actually solving the problems there as well? It, I I think it's a little bit of everything. One of it's a lot. Uh, um, uh, yeah, a mentor of mine told me years ago. You know, good leaders know how to lead at any given time, and that requires flexibility of action and intent. You can't be a leader and just do one thing all the time, and just that's it. You have to be able to respond when your people need you. You have to yeah, be able adapt. to adapt. If if there's a specific technical problem that's going to impact other parts of your organization, you need to understand what that is, and you need to know what the solution is, and be able to be a part of making that solution happen. Because as a leader, you typically have insights into other parts of the organization that others may not. And so, being a part of those discussions and finding a solution, you share that perspective, and you can create a more holistic solution, a more a stickier solution, a better solution, rather than something that, you know, if you're not involved with and you're not sharing that perspective. Uh, but the danger there is you can't do that every time. You can't dive down and get to that level of understanding yeah. as your economists and lawyers and engineers. So you have to be selective and be able to identify when you're needed and how you're needed. And, uh, you know, helps I mean, it's the hardest role. Well. Yeah. So is there a lot of pressure or was there a lot, at least a lot of pressure at the start becoming like, at the, like becoming the top like or I, I would say yes there's always a lot i mean part of the job that we have we need to keep the lights on in new york state i mean that that's a pretty uh, big yeah that's a pretty big deal and you know that there's a lot that goes into that and i feel grateful we live in a state and in a country where you flip a light switch and you're fairly confident the lights are going to turn you're on you're Right. You're, you're more surprised if they don't than if they do. And that's a good condition I want to continue <laughs> to make sure we have. Um, and, you know, though prices are going up, you know, relatively speaking, energy prices in America are fairly low compared to the rest of the world. So, you know, we want to maintain that situation. And there's a lot of pressure. You know, we have, you know, what are we doing with natural gas? How are we handling greenhouse gas emissions? Uh, how are we going to electrify all our homes and buildings and vehicles and other things? All of these are challenges that we're facing right now. And this is all, you know, on top of we have a war brewing uh, across, the, across the planet uh, that's affecting everything a... from grain to natural gas prices. So it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Now, this has has COVID, when COVID happened, has that like affected anything? Or, or is, is, was it relatively? Over, I think, has impacted more things than people will ever fully comprehend. Um, really? I, I'm probably it, one of those people. I mean, I was pretty, well, like, oblivious, you know? Well, not oblivious, but, like, you know, I'm one a young kid, so a lot of people say, like, I don't know, like, like they felt bad for me because, like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, so unnatural, Dylan. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, had online school. Like, we were all pretty happy. I remember the students were like, woohoo! Like, we can wake up later, but then like, you know. <laughs> well, look, I, everything changes with time. And, um, you know, one particular instance I'll never forget when I had a Blackberry, um, I didn't have a piece of paper or a pen. And so I was taking notes on my Blackberry during a meeting and an executive, this is years ago, maybe 15 years ago, Must an executive be, yeah. called me out for using my phone. And 
they didn't know that I was taking notes on what they were saying. They thought I was sending a message to someone else. And I immediately realized, okay, this is a huge disconnect between their expectations and mine, because I would expect someone to pull out a phone and take notes, whereas they see this as me doing something else. So I put the phone away and try to remember what was going on rather than write down some key points. But as you move into your professional life, you know, you're going to be dealing with people my age, right? Um, who grew up in a certain environment, doing things a certain way. Yeah, different era. It's likely yeah. completely different than what you've done. So there's there's always going to be that opportunity to kind of learn from each other and grow together. And that's something I think everybody should recognize. You know, you coming into the workplace, you've got your experience, and that's a value to whomever you work for. Don't ever undermine and, and undervalue that. And you've got to make sure your employer appreciates and recognizes that you are bringing a value and a perspective that they may or may not already have. So communication is going to be key in whatever role you take. And um, as you talk to other individuals, whether they're your peers or your supervisors or seniors or what have you, uh, just make sure you're you know, sharing your views and being clear on what they are. Yeah, so do you think like, like what are some important skills you think you you like you need to have to like get into a profession like this like or, or not and not even that, just to become like a leader in general what skills do you think you really need besides being able to adapt like do you think social skills are important or like communication I mean, we, skill? we soft skills and hard skills right i i remember hearing someone say hard skills will get you the job soft skills will keep you the job and there's a certain level of truth to that um, you know, there's emotional intelligence. People talk about that. The ability to understand how other people think and put yourself in their shoes and empathize and, you know, just understand others. That's important. But for me, you know, uh, thinking about my time as an engineer, when I was first thinking through what are the things I need to move ahead, the one thing that kept coming up time and time again was I needed to improve my communication skills. Uh, I am not a natural speaker. Uh, I'm quite shy, actually. Uh, public speaking... Yeah, public speaking is not my thing. Um, and it's something I've trained myself to get better at because I've identified it as a gap in my skills and I wanted to make sure I got better. So I would always put myself in um, difficult situations where I had to present. To spread out um, that comfort zone. Exactly. And you know, early in your career, it's low risk, right? I mean, you're not gonna talk to uh, President Biden and embarrass yeah. yourself because you're you know, 50 years old and you're giving your first presentation and it's like, oh, what am I going to do as the president? Um, but I gave, you know, uh, col throughout college, I made it a point to give all my presentations for groups, same in grad school, same in my professional career. It's like slowly train yourself. Yeah. And, and I did this because they don't really teach you this directly. In yeah. engineering school, or at least not in my engineering school at the time. Even in school in general, uh, normally, I don't feel like, at least in high I mean, school, they, middle school. Well, put it to you, how many times have you had to give a group presentation? Let me ask you that. Think about it. You've had to. I'm sure you have. Uh, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. But, I can, but what pre what preparation did you get? Did you did the teacher sit you down and talk about how to hold your hands out? No. Uh, projecting your voice, making eye contact certain gestures to capture the, no none of that they were right? just like they just said go out it, like, and present yeah. right and they don't so, even notice that they think they're thinking more about the presentation itself but like exactly so but but being able to communicate an idea effectively can be far more important than actually coming up with the idea itself yeah. you could come people, up with the best yeah. idea for people don't whatever. get it though people don't get it exactly it's not gonna yeah. matter so that's probably the single most important skill I would say everybody should try to develop, the ability to communicate 
verbally, in writing, in whatever form is available. Yeah, I, I I probably would agree with that. That I don't. That seems like a common thing. Like if you can get your ideas across. Like if you can't, then there's no point in having good ideas at all. Um. So this is a question I do like to ask because I um. How has like race played a part in your career, or has it not played any part in your career at all? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, it absolutely has. Uh, I would say it has had some interesting. It, it has impacted many parts of my career in one way or another. Um, some visible, some not. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of which, mostly, in, I would characterize them as minor nuisances. But it's it's part of recognizing where I am in my life, where I was in my life. Um, case in point, I would go to events, uh, major galas, things like that. And uh, I would often be misinterpreted as, oh, can you help me get a bottle of water? And I'm like, I, I don't, oh my I don't God. work here. That is terrible. Yeah. No, that you know, has happened I, more I times there. than I can tell you. Yeah. I was at like an Asian supermarket yesterday, like an H Mart. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was with my mom and like we were getting this rice She's like, I don't like this brand. Can you like put it away? So I take the rice and I put it back where it was. And then like these two other like people were like, oh, can you please help us like find where the, but they're like these two like white people. I don't know. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't work here. I'm not wearing like, they're all wearing like red shirts that say H Mart. And I was wearing like some mm -hmm. black, like random shirt. And they were like, please help us. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. But it's, you know, it's something but, that but, like, yeah. Yeah. For, for me, I look at it as, you know, I try to generally I try to live my life where I assume the best of people unless I have reason not to. Oh, right. Yeah, I assume definitely. good intentions and I find that's the best it, way. It makes my life a lot easier if these slights or the microaggressions are just, oh, they don't know any better. Oh, they they mean well, but they whatever. Um, so I don't let them get to me. I try my best not to, but that doesn't always work. And sometimes a conversation needs to be had. And usually, in my experience, people are receptive to hearing your perspective and understanding and trying to make changes. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's something that, like, I was, like, yeah, as well, pretty oblivious to until getting older. You realize, like, how much race does matter. And, like, I don't know, it was a big, it was, a, it, it, the change or the realization happened, I think, for me this year, like, with Asians, like, I didn't realize there's only, like, 5% of us, like, in the U.S. or something like that, and I don't know, it was like, cause living in New York, it's pretty diverse, I think, so I'm pretty, I think we're pretty lucky, so, you know, I guess something, but, like, you're right, I, I try to, try to go in with positive mindset, and you, yeah. you know, give people benefit I mean, the of the doubt as well, like. Yeah, I, it helps with your sanity, I think, ultimately, and, <laughs> you know, just, just remember, you know, there, it, it frustrates me that to be an American, I am a hyphenated American. I'm not an American, right? Nor are you an American. You Asian, are an yeah, Asian exactly. American. I am a Black American. The, the world of hyphenated Americans grows bigger and bigger every day. Um, and my hope is that one day we'll simply just be American. American and that'll be the end of it. So. I know. I mean, like, yeah, no, that would suck. Like if I were like, like you do so much for like, for like people that like, you know, they don't probably don't realize, I don't know. I'd get, that's not, that's nice that you can still keep so like be so positive. Cause I'd be like, like what? Like the reason your lights are on are because of me. Like, why are you? <laughs> like, yeah. 
Like just turn well, off. Okay. Then I just turn off that apartment. You know, just boom, like no lights anymore for that. Well, well, in in, in defense <laughs> of others, there are a few thousand other people involved in that. Process, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's just true. That's me, true. No, but I'm yeah, I, yeah. I do my best to make sure they're doing what they need to do to and have the resources they need to do to do it. So Anyways, I can't take all the credit. For um, for, for like like I said before at the start of the podcast, like kids my age listening into this, what advice would you just like just to sum this all up, like advice would you have for them? Not even trying to get into a career like this, but just in general, like pursuing their passions and figuring themselves out. Like, what advice would you give them? I would say the the most important piece of advice is go out there and try. Just try. Don't assume you can't do because someone like you isn't doing it, or because you think you can't. Try, and if you can't. You've tried and failed, and you've learned something from it. Um, I learned more from trying and failing than from watching and not. And that's probably the single most important thing, you know, I would suggest to anyone. And I, I, I feel like I give that lesson to my, my kid every day. Uh, just try. Keep, keep going. Keep trying. And you'll learn something new, or at least you'll figure out you don't like whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, at one point, I wanted to get a, a PhD in economics. And it was a dream of mine. And then I thought, you know what, what would it take to actually make this happen? And I, I looked into a number of different schools. I talked to a number of professors and I realized really quickly, no, that was not <laughs> for me either. But had I not at least taken that first step and I know, you get sought out the opportunity, I never, I would still to this day be imagining, oh, what if? No regrets. I no, longer have so no regrets. I have no, no regrets, regrets about take, not taking that step. Exactly. So try. Just that's trust. great that's great rory thank you so much for being on this podcast today it, it no really problem, means Bill. a lot it really means a lot hey my pleasure and look you know as you go out there and explore your own opportunities be positive right uh just have an open mind be willing to try new things and be open to criticism and feedback um you know you will grow and you've got to take all that i stuff hope with so you i hope go. so <laughs> all right thank you so much rory no problem Take care. You too.